Welcome to the Unique Garden Show, hosted by Mike Branning, owner of the Unique Garden Center. Join us each week right here as Mike discusses gardening topics and takes your calls and questions. Our call-in number is 366-8471. Now, here's your host, Mike Branning. Morning, Mitch. Morning, morning, Mike. How are you? I'm doing well. Man, it is, it's been nasty the past couple days. Right? Yeah, that wind out of the north has uh, got a bite to it, for sure. Oh, yeah, it's definitely, it'll go through your sweater, your hoodie, yeah. whatever you're wearing. And you didn't get snow up where you were at, huh? No, I'm on the Mesa, and we didn't get any snow, but you guys got it down here in town. Yep, definitely got a good little bit of snow. I think it was on Thursday we got that snow. Right. It was pretty cool to just wake up and see snow. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, I was uh, shocked that that night, because I thought the storm basically blew out earlier in the day and then i i don't know i woke up around 1 30 or 2 and it was just pouring at my house like big time pouring down and then it ended up snowing down here in town and uh so that was just the last hurrah i guess yep it definitely poured at my house too and my backyard floods so i have like a huge like frozen lake in my backyard right now right yeah and then i thought you know watching the weather they're saying is you know you know open up and be really nice and so i kind of figured we'd have a good weekend and uh and then it ends up being what it is today that northerly wind and and it's cold and oh, it's so. absolutely beautiful outside it's just that chilly wind that we got it's nice looking outside at it <laughs> or if you're in your car driving around but right. not working in it and i finally got my hands on one of your world famous smoothies and i gotta say it's absolutely delicious thank you for bringing this in yeah and can you, you remind bet. the listeners what's in it yeah, right. There's uh, 25 things that are in it, and it sounds overwhelming, but you know it goes together really quick. I can, because when I do it, I put it into a Vitamix, and uh, and it only takes me probably 15 minutes to make it, because everything's basically right there anyway, you know. And um, but uh, but yeah, there's a total of 20. You know, over the years I started doing these almost 30 years ago. And, uh, you know, it started off just me experimenting, and then I would add this and delete that, and then over the years, and uh, and anyway, there's now 25 things in it, so. Well, you've definitely dialed it in, and it is delicious. Thank you for bringing but, it in. Uh, but, I mean, not only does it taste good, I think, but, uh, but I mean, it's the powerhouse of nutrition. Oh, yeah. You know, you... and it tastes good going down. Oh, yeah, I can... It's delicious. One of the best smoothies I've had. Is that right? Oh, yeah. So, right on. One of the healthiest, too, probably. Well, it's heavy anything but the kitchen sink in there. Right. You know? So, yeah, I thought today we'd start off. Uh, I was at a customer's house yesterday, and um, and they had a gardener who does a good job, and uh, but doesn't really know how to trim trees. And basically, the tree was pruned, and it looks like a big hedge. It was just rounded off. And by doing that, all of the, basically, the, the leader branches were all cut back. It's just like, a, just like if you were to take a hedge and make a, round it off, make a round ball out of it, that's what the tree looks like. Right, it's not, it's not promoting healthy growth. Exactly, you know, and so, again, you know, um, I'm thinking maybe today, with it being as cold as it is, a lot of people might be inside, maybe listening to the radio. And uh, so if you haven't trimmed your tree yet, even though that we're still in that time of year when you can, but 
they're talking about it being in, in early spring. And once this cold spell goes through, then if it warms up, then things are going to start popping pretty quick. So your window for pruning is right now. So if you haven't pruned yet, uh, we're going to go over it one more time uh, just so that everyone kind of lined up what to do. And it isn't rocket science. It isn't really a hard thing to do. Most of it's just common sense. But like anything else, you know, if you're not used to doing it or you haven't done it before, you don't want to make a mistake. And so we'll kind of cover those points. But the one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to round it off into a ball because every branch is going to have a leader. And basically, he is the direction of the tree. And so ideally, what you want to do when you look at the tree, a lot of times it can be kind of overwhelming when you look at it because you have no idea where to begin. So the best place to begin is basically uh, look at branches. You want to kind of open the inside of the tree out because during the growth year, the leaves are going to be covering the entire tree. So if you can uh, open the tree up a little bit and allow some light penetration, then the tree will be healthier on the inside as well. And so what you can do is uh, any small branching or if you have a lot of competing branches where you have a branch that is growing, but then you have another branch, you know, or two next to it, and they're both going in the same direction, and they're relatively close in uh, where they're located with one another, then pick out the one that is more advantageous to the tree's overall framework, and then take the other one or two out. And that'll, by itself, open the tree up quite a bit. So by doing that, and then when you get in, after you have basically thinned it out with that aspect of it, then look at the overall framework of the tree and look at the whole, all the, the, the whole structure of the tree. And if you have larger branches and you have, say, a couple that are going in the same direction, then you can do the very same thing. You know, the one that's going to better frame out the tree <clears throat> and allow it to fill in than that other branch, and it isn't always going to be the bigger branch. Sometimes the smaller branch is better suited for the overall framework, but you want to go ahead and, and but you think, well, that's a smaller branch, and this is the bigger branch, and, you know, sometimes the bigger branch is just a bully on the block, and so it's okay to cut it out. And, uh, and then at the same time, if that branch, <clears throat> at, toward the end of the branch, say it forks off, and it creates what they call a crotch or a Y, um, then, again, when you get to that point, then you look at it, and whichever branch better suits the tree's framework and basically gives it a, a nice, uh, complete structure, then go ahead and take the, that, that one Y off. Because what happens is whenever you have a crotch, that tends to be a weak spot in the tree. And so during a wind... Or if one side of the branch becomes heavier than the other, then they can split down the middle because they're sharing the same crotch. And so, and basically what the crotch is that when the tree, as it was growing, it split, it, the, the leader split, and it just divided in half. And so you have an even distribution of the, of the weight, but that can go against the tree down the road. And so the fewer, and you can't eliminate every crotch, but the fewer crotches you have, you're better off. And you're better off having what they call an alternate branch, which is where you have the branch and then you have a side branch coming off, 
but not sharing the same union. And so, and basically when you do all that, then you can stand back and look at the tree and say it's, you know, 15 by 15 or 20 by 20, and you're still going to have the same size tree, and you could have a third to half the, if, you haven't, if it hasn't been pruned at all or been a long time, or if it was pruned wrong in the past, uh, you could have a, a third to uh, half the wood on the ground, but you're still going to have the same size and the same width tree, which is ideally what you're looking for. Right. You know, and then sometimes people will plant a tree and they don't know what it's going to develop into and it gets too big or they buy a home and they inherited a tree and, you know, the tree is overwhelming for the area and it gets too big for the area. And you have to do some severe cutting back because ideally, again, what you want to do is you want to prune the tree but maintain the tree's height. And But there's a term called crown reduction, which is where you have to do some really heavy pruning on the tree because the tree was the wrong tree for that location and it just gets too big. So when you do a crown reduction, what you do is rather than what you see in your driving around town, whether it be in the Morongo Basin or you could be in the low desert, you see a lot of trees where they just basically, you have the trunk, then you have the framework, and it might go out five or six feet and then everything just cut off. And that's called pilarding, um, which is a fancy word for butchering. And sadly, a lot of people that are in the business that do this for a living do that to trees. You know, I don't know whether it's just because they see it happening around and they kind of follow suit, um, but it definitely is not the way to prune a tree. And so whenever you pilard a tree like that, what ends up happening is just like this tree that I saw yesterday at the customer's house, by rounding it off, they eliminated every single leader branch. And so wherever you have a, a blunt cut and there's no more leader, then it's imperative that that branch has to have a leader. And so what happens is instead of just having a leader develop and, and start developing and growing, you're going to have anywhere from six to a dozen buds break loose and they all have the goal of wanting to be the boss they all want to be the leader so then you know say after a year if you look at a lot of especially you can really see it now because a lot of trees that are dormant you can see how you have the main framework and the the large branches going up and then they may go up you know four or five six feet and then all of a sudden you see that main branch stops and you see all this growth at the end it's all shooting off and that's referred to as water sprout growth and basically what it is is those are all shoots trying to become the new leader but in doing so you got this huge amount of wood all coming off of the blunt cut all trying to take over the leader so what you have to do to correct the tree is you have to it takes more time but you have to go through the, the entire tree and every single branch individually and get back to one leader and then take everything else off and basically redevelop and restructure the tree. It's such a shame when they do that. I hate driving by and seeing them just all cut almost right down to the trunk. Exactly. It's just so sad. And you know, and it happens all the time. And so I would encourage anybody, if you're going to have someone prune your trees, ask them, 
you know, what trees in the area you've pruned and then go take a look at them. Right. You know, and if you can go by and it doesn't really look like it's been pruned at all because you still have this 20 by 20 mulberry or whatever the tree may be and it looks really uniform and and just looks great, then that is the way the tree should look. Right. I feel like a lot of um, pruning... Mm-hmm. And landscaping, it's like, what looks good now? Like, what's they, and it's very short term and not long term. Like, what's it going to grow into? Right. It's just like, I have to prune it now, get rid of everything, and then whatever it grows into is what it grows into. So, you know, and a lot of people, you know, they may see, you know, the old guy down the street, he's always working in his yard, and he goes out there and prunes his mulberry back like that every year, and they kind of, not really knowing themselves, they go, well, he's always working in his yard. That must be the way you do it. Or they will see, a a gardener or a tree company doing that to a tree and they'll think well that must be the way you do it because that's the way they're doing it and then just and they do it themselves but they just kind of follow suit and so just to let everybody who's listening know that you know there's definitely a right way and a wrong way and i know i've shared this before but we did a mulberry uh tree for a customer about three i don't know probably four or five years ago and um they never been pruned, and they were just really, it looked like the 91 freeway at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It was just loaded with wood. And, uh, and so she actually had two trees. And so I went in there, and uh, we pulled a lot of wood out of there. But when we were all done, the trees were still basically 20 by 20. And, um, and it just so happened that the neighbor across the way had a guy coming in to trim and she had three mulberry trees, roughly the same size. And I was in these two trees all day. And uh, and then he was in and out of there and probably within, I don't know, probably three hours, a little over three hours, and he was gone. But then you look at the trees, and basically he did the same thing. He had a chainsaw. He never used a pair of you know, uh, loppers or pruning shears or a handsaw. The whole thing was done with a chainsaw. You know, say, again, the trunk came up, the branches came off, they went out about three or four feet, and they were just chopped off. And that was her tree when she was done. If you're pruning, you definitely should not be using a chainsaw. So, well, some, most times. Yeah. Most of the time, there's sometimes you could probably use it, but most of the time, probably not. You know, and, uh, you know, it, again, it all depends on the variety of tree and how long his business has been pruned. Uh, but there's definitely a right way and a wrong way, and doing it the right way will make the tree look better the upcoming year uh you'll have now it will probably go by quicker if you go through the chainsaw and just cut it back like that and you'll be done faster but what you're going to be creating you know down the road in the next two or three years um you're going to be having so much wood in that tree now a lot of times what people will do is they'll go back the following year and they'll go below where all those branches are coming off and they'll cut it off there and they just keep repeating the same program over and over, and that will actually shorten the lifespan of the tree by pruning it that severely. Oh, wow. And uh, so, again, just uh, keep in mind that you want to maintain the tree's framework. You want to open it out and thin it out, but always have every single branch maintain a leader. And what I, I didn't get, I got sidetracked. Uh, when it comes down to having to reduce the size of a tree out of necessity, then what you want to do is 
rather than pilarding or making a blunt cut is bring and you say you got to come down you know six or eight feet or even ten feet then bring the branch down and cut it where there's an alternate branch that can become the new leader so rather than making a blunt cut bring it down wherever possible to where there's a new branch that can become the potential new leader and that way all the energy will go into that branch and you're not making a blunt cut which is going to create a series of buds breaking out all trying to take back over the leader right and just as a reminder folks that call in number is 760-366-8471 and you can call in with any and all of your gardening questions okay and uh again if you have any questions feel free to call the nursery um we haven't been there a lot lately because of the weather the two days that i'm open on wednesday and saturday it's either been you know raining or windy or today like you know it's just cold today so uh just so people know i won't be there today either because i can't see anybody working in the yard on a day like today right it's and, just uh, it's just been nasty it's the a good day to weeks. be inside today definitely cozy up with the smoothie or something right exactly <laughs> so the next thing i wanted to bring up uh, again uh roses this time of the year we're getting to the end, and you want to be sure to get those pruned. And roses definitely respond to a fairly heavy pruning. And a lot of people are hesitant because they don't want to hurt the bush, and they don't want to cut it back too heavy. And what happens is when you do a really light pruning, or if you just kind of round it off into a ball, then you're going to have a lot of growth that should have been taken out. And what can happen is the plant will have so much energy going into all this unnecessary wood and framework that that's going to cut down on the number of blooms and the size of the bloom and so by giving the rose bush a good heavy pruning then you'll actually be doing the bush a favor and it'll reward you by having uh, heavier flower production and the full-sized bloom that it should be and so again what you want to get down to and again we're getting toward the end there because they're going to be popping out here pretty soon so uh, other than today, but if tomorrow's a nice day, that'd be a good day to get out there and do it. And uh, wherever you have, uh, when you go to prune back, again, you want to open up the middle of the rose bush, and you want to basically get down to anywhere from three to five canes when you're done. That's so, And if you have any really old canes that have been, that just look really old, if you have a fresh cane coming up in the, vicinity of that old cane then don't hesitate to go ahead and cut that old cane out let the new cane take over and it's kind of like retiring you know when you're old and can't really handle the job anymore and then you know you let the young buck take over it's kind of the same thing that way by doing that you renew the the rose bush and it'll last you that much longer because roses will go on for a long i mean years and years but uh, you definitely want to renew the wood every few years. And so once you go through and you select the canes you're going to keep and you take everything else out, that by itself is going to open up the bush quite a bit. And then from there, what you want to do is basically bring the bush down from the graft, <coughs> pardon me, which is at ground level. You want to basically uh, cut it back to between 18 to 24 inches from the graft which is the base of the bush and always when you make a cut there's always going to be what they call a, a node or a dormant 
bud. Wherever you have a leaf connection, there's going to be a, a future bud right there. And if the rose bush has lost all of its leaves, then just look for that bud because that bud will still be there. And always cut it at a bud pointing away from the bush, not toward the middle of the bush. Because that's going to be the dominant bud. So when it does leaf out and start to grow and develop this year, if you have it cut and the bud, the dominant bud is facing in toward the bush, then that's the way it's going to grow. And that's going to create a lot of cross-branching and, and you're not going to have a nice full-figured rose bush. Right. I love rose bushes. They last for a long time. They're absolutely beautiful. And a little fun fact about roses. Um, wild roses only have five petals. So mm-hmm. the ones that you're, that are cultivated, they, they're they mutants compared to the wild roses. Right. You wouldn't right. even notice a wild rose if you didn't know what to look for. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of times when you, you know, because they will uh, graft onto a an old rootstock, you know, a wild rootstock. And so sometimes if that rose bush suckers and it comes up, then when they, when it blooms, they always bloom red. And it's always going to be a five-petaled rose. And uh, and so whenever you do see a sucker, you want to take the sucker off because that's going to drain from the plant that you bought, whether it was a, a Mr. Lincoln or Chrysler Imperial or anything like that. And um, so whatever rose bush you bought is going to be what they grafted onto that wild rootstock. But that for some reason, if that rose that you had died, um, but the, the rose base as far as the rootstock is still alive then it basically is going to be a, not a bush but a climber and so they put out a lot more erratic growth and, it's, and so if you have a spot for a climber then they do very well so i wouldn't say throw it away it may not fit you know along with the other bush roses but it'll do well if you were to relocate it along a chain link fence or something like that and let it grow and then it'll be a climber I have a, my yard is filled with roses. We have a whole line of roses, every color under the sun. Mm -hmm. And then we have a rose tree and a rose, like, climber. Right. What you were talking about. Right. Yeah. You know, roses actually are pretty drought tolerant. If they are, if you get on a good mulching program and encourage a deep root system, then you could water a rose bush in the summertime once a week, and it'll do fine. You know, and you basically plant them, and you mulch them when you plant them, and that's the only mulch it ever sees. And so within a year or so, you back to being just basic decomposed granite dirt, then you're not going to have the root system that it would normally have. And so you're going to be out there watering it, you know, anywhere from three to four times a week to keep it happy. But if you are on a good mulching program, encourage a deep root system, and, and when you do water, deep water, and at the same time, if you get a, about a two-inch layer of mulch during the heat of the summer and mulch the rose bed, then when the sun's baking the ground, instead of pulling the water out and raising the ground temperature, the mulch will keep the moisture in. It'll keep the ground temperature cooler. And by having a deeper root system, then it'll be like you sitting in the house on a hot summer day with the swamp cooler going. So if the roots are happy, the plant's happy. Right. And uh, and so and then you can water them once a week, and when you get your water bill and it's not you know outrageously insane, then you're happy there too. Everyone's happy. So everyone's happy, and plus you know roses kind of dog out during the heat of the summer bloom wise, but if the roots are happy, then you'll 
extend the bloom cycle. You have more blooms coming on. If the heat is really stressing them out, then you have fewer and fewer blooms. Right. It's really amazing how well roses do out here. They do, Despite the yeah. freezing cold and the blistering heat. Yeah, yeah, the cold is, isn't an issue at all. Well, they go dormant anyway. Right. So the cold wouldn't be an issue at all. But they, uh, they, they don't dig on the heat, but they tolerate it. But they'll tolerate it a lot better if they have deep roots and a good mulching program. And it's a win-win. Very hardy plant. Yeah, exactly. So basically that covers the roses and the trees. And again, if you have any questions, if you're out there doing your uh, trees or roses and you're not sure about this or that, you know, feel free to give me a call to the nursery and, you know, run by. And even though I'm not there physically looking at the plant, but if you describe what you're doing, then in more times than not, I can advise you on what you should do as far as keeping it or eliminate it or which branch you want to keep if you're choosing between one or the other. And, uh, and again, it's, it's not rocket science. You know, it's just most of it's just common sense. And just look at the tree like you want to look at it. And you're going to enjoy looking at it when you're done pruning. Right. If it looks butchered, then it is butchered. You know, if it's pruned and doesn't look butchered and it looks good in your yard, you did a good job. Right. And, uh, oh man, spring is right around the corner, too. It is. So weeds are going to be coming out soon. That's in the, yeah. You know, and, you know, even though um, we haven't gotten there yet, but I will say this um, I don't know why, but for some reason, hula hoes have been harder to find this whole past year really i just found uh, a place last week and i and i bought a couple just because they hadn't had them all year and so even though you buy what they call an action hoe um and that is the same shape as a hula hoe but they don't work like a hula hoe so if the if the handle says hula hoe on it it's a hula hoe and you can't call an action hoe or any other off-brand a hula hoe. And uh, even though they're going to look the same, but, you know, believe me, from someone who's been hula hoeing for years, when you have a hula hoe and any other off-brand action hoe, uh, they do not work the same. And what you can do is, again, if you do a lot of hula hoeing, which is going to be definitely a hula hoe season coming up, uh, you know, I think they make the handles for the standard height of a person. Uh, but if you're a tall person, you can get a piece of PVC pipe and it'll fit over the end of the hula hoe and you can extend it another couple of feet. So instead of being, you know, bent over and breaking your back hula hoing, you can be standing up. And that extra couple of feet, you can go through and, and do your hula hoing and not feel like you've been out there hula hoing all day. Right. And we did just get a caller, and he wanted me to let you know that if you need a hula ho, Home Depot has a ton of them. He was just at Home Depot. Is that right? Yep. Interesting. Okay, that may be something new because I haven't known Home Depot to carry hula hoes. You know, they carry the action hoe, right. but not the hula ho, so that's good to know. Definitely good to know. And okay, right on. When with spring coming up, um, a lot of weeds or a lot of desert natives look like weeds at first. Exactly. So just keep that in mind with when spring comes around. Also, yeah, you know, ideally, what you can do because when you get into the, the motion of hula hoeing, you're just kind of going at a pace. It's always good to kind of walk the area first, 
and put some kind of a marker by, you know, be it a desert mallow or a buckwheat or maybe a desert marigold, something like that, and just put something by it as a reminder. So when you're in the swing of things and you're just out there hula hoing, because a lot of times as you're, as you're hula hoing and you mentally make that note in your brain, but when you're out there physically doing it, then you're just in the the rhythm of hula hoing, and before you know it, you ended up cutting it out. Right. You know, so if you mark it, then you'll know to go around it, and then well, you don't take it out and eliminate it and then kill it off. Right. Definitely want to promote your natives in the yard. Exactly. You know, and by doing that, if you have a zero-scape landscape to begin with, by letting some natives fill in voluntarily, then it'll give the landscape a much more natural free-flow look rather than more regimented. Right, I did what you mentioned by marking like where the natives are. Right, and I had a tiny desert mallow, and now it's just this huge, beautiful bush. Exactly, that is, I love it. Right, exactly. All right. right. That looks like that's all the time that we have today. Make sure to check back in next Saturday for another unique garden show. And thank you for coming by, Mike. Always a pleasure to talk with you. And we'll see you next week. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to the Unique Garden Show, hosted by Mike Branning of Unique Garden Center. Join us again next week at the same time, 8.30 to 9 a.m. with your questions and calls, right here on Z1077. For more information, call Mike at 365-1511.